0: Love Yourself Podcast, where we sit back, relax, and discuss some of the challenging topics that address our society today. We find opportunities overcome struggles and give you methods of resolving these challenges. We'd like to thank my sponsor for today, Carlin Springs Pharmacy, located in 611 Carlin Springs Road, Arlington, Virginia, 22204, and appreciate their contribution and support. We'd love to have your support and donate any contributions or become a sponsor to continue the podcast on these serious topics. Having said that, today's topic is on the challenges we face with parenting teens. We all, like myself, go through a lot of challenges. And at times where we just don't know or how to handle the stressful situation, it's not that we don't love our teenagers, (laughs) I surely do it's just a matter of understanding what is the right step and in that fear we forget what to do some of the challenges that we as parents face are back talk the silent treatment falling through untasked chores house rules disrespect towards elders younger using aggression as means of solving problems having mindset of if you're a boy you can't show your emotions stop being like a girl and insecurities that prevent from communicating how you feel and feeling lonely and unable to reach out to someone for support. So how do we tackle these kind of issues and challenges as parents? And how do we help our parents, teens to work with us and communicate and understand them better? Well, it's my pleasure to welcome Mr. Fox and his company Com Fox Coaching. Mr. Fox identifies as queer pansexual and has a degree in family studies, OS LGBTQ and studies. Prior to wa- working as a life and outpatient settings as well as intensive in-home, in-home family therapy and crisis and contingency management, Mr. Fox worked with clients aged from anywhere from five years to 75 years old. Diagnosis from anxiety, He's worked with depression and ADD, ADHD to borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, attachment in, in, injuries, trauma, adoption, substance abuse, and violent adolescence and teens. My, that's a lot of credentials and knowledge to have right here today. And here is Mr. Fox to discuss on parenting teens. Hi, Fox.
1: Hello.
0: It's my pleasure. It's our pleasure to listen to you today discussing such a challenging topic. But today I want you, it's your time to tell us and help us to understand how to speak to our children a little bit better each day.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for the introduction and thank you everyone who is joining us. Um, I I really appreciate that we were able to do this during lunch and support our base needs instead of having to reschedule because that's what we talked about doing. Um, So when it comes to parenting teens, we have, the truth is we need to accept that every child is different, every teen is different, and as a result, there is no one quick fix. There is no one answer. What is going to work for your family and for your teen is dependent on you and your family, and your team. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of what I'm going to be discussing today is a general overview of what parents specifically trying to improve their relationships, communication, task completion, whatever else, with their teens should be aware of to better support themselves as parents and create new systems that are going to encourage their teenagers to not only participate with them and communicate well, but to also practice skills that they'll be able to take into adulthood and hopefully won't. won't repeat the same patterns that are currently occurring.
0: Absolutely. That's you hit the main point. We do not want to repeat the same common issues. Mm-hmm. History has to be stopped when it comes to these trauma and tragic.
1: Very true. Uh, and realistically, we're all we're all doing our best because we're all working with the, the best we have and There's a lot of unspoken things that parents really would benefit from knowing, especially when it comes to parenting their teenagers. Um, Truthfully, I imagine some of these things hopefully will be things that you're already aware of or you've already thought of. A lot of my job is really just helping point out the dots that people already know and just connecting them so they can see what makes more sense for them.
0: Please do. We need this.
1: (laughs) Um, So unfortunately, the first that the reason I'm starting with common unspoken parenting challenges is because there is far too many we talk about parenting in terms of the joys of parenting the challenges of parenting the blessings of parenting we don't talk about the nitty the gritty the what if your parenting situation is unique what if your mental health situation is unique and as a result most of what we're working with is based off either things we have sought out ourselves or it's based off things we picked up from our parents or other friends and when you look at the history of the entirety of humanity compared to mental health, we have centuries of doing our best with very bad data and centuries of hurt and trauma and oppression and everything. And then when we look at mental health, you know, the, the thing that runs all of our brains and keeps us moving and has a massive impact on everything we do in our life, really, most of the intersectional data, most of the data that is supportive of mental health and not as supportive of personal biases Hmm. have come out in the last 30 years.
0: So can we talk about these? um, You mentioned mental health. So what, what exactly, how do we go about to prioritize these mental health? What can we do? Because mental health is a very vague per se topic. And yet... It's a hot topic at the moment. So can you be more specific to us and with our children? What exactly does that mean when we say mental health? Absolutely. What are the points that we are looking for when we discuss about mental health?
1: So mental health is our ability to understand our world around us, our ability to interpret that world around us, our ability to feel safe in that world around us, and our ability to move through it. Mental health is our ability to have emotions. Mental health is our ability to connect with other people. It's the same as how you go to a doctor for physical health. We all realistically need to be occasionally having those mental health check-ins because our body and our brain are very connected. Right. For anyone who has a teenager or a young kid who has stomach aches, I'm curious how frequent those stomach aches are around something that is anxiety provoking or stressful. Absolutely. And by understanding how our brains work, by understanding how we perceive the world around us, by understanding how we interact with the world around us, we can better make sure that we are living in a way that is actually supportive of our base needs, of our body, of the relationships around us, without truthfully living the way we are now. Um, Going along with unspoken parenting challenges, one of the big challenges of modeling daily mental health and living with the priority of daily mental health is that's not the world we live in. Um, many of us come to everyday interactions from a place of scarcity. We've all been told to do more with less. We've always been told. We've all been told to keep working, even if you don't really have much to do, just to look busy. We've all been told to just get through it because we all need to. The problem is, those are always happening.
0: Right, and yeah. that is in a form. Sorry to disturb you, but it, it's not in a form of a neglect. Mm-hmm. We're just saying, hey, just do this because of X, or maybe it's our own parenting insecurities because we don't know how to mm-hmm. face the certain uh, challenges that we may be going through. So our best way to respond is by removing anything that we can or avoidance per se from mm-hmm. certain topics.
1: Absolutely. Um, the more we talk about this, the more there will be fewer or the less there will be unspoken parenting challenges. Um, and realistically, one of the biggest one is that parenting is really hard. Kids can be jerks. Teens can come across as abusive, manipulative, evil little gremlins.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) I have those Mm two.
1: And we all have them. (laughs) So, part of the unspoken challenge to all of that, though, is just the acknowledgement that, yeah, teens can be jerks. Teens can be abusive, manipulative, evil little gremlins. The important part that we need to speak more about is that when those teens, teens are acting that way, when they're being manipulative or Abusive. Yes. Technically that is what they're doing. Technically. They're teenagers, right? Their brains are going through the most development they ever had. They've gone through the most change that they ever have. It's why they're always so tired. Right. Realistically, the logic and consequences part of the brain finishes developing around 25 to 27. So when we're upset with our teenagers because they just don't understand that logic or they're just not seeing the really obvious natural consequence, that's because their brain isn't developed enough to do that yet.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So until the age of twenty-five, it's not developed. That's what I'm hearing.
1: It is not finished development.
0: Finished. Okay. So we kind of have to accommodate to and help them just develop naturally and work on the communication factor.
1: Exactly. And
0: so maybe we think it. If, if I understand and I'm trying to rephrase what you said is they in our world we think that they're being manipulative maybe they're just being explorative
1: exactly more often than not anger sadness frustration yeah sure that's very likely what they're communicating and that is what they're feeling anger is usually a safer way to show fear or insecurity or uncertainty right so So what 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 do you
0: suggest Uh, let's focus on this because a lot of teenagers you're absolutely correct a lot of these children, whether they're boys or girls, whatever they may be, um, I've seen it across the board, they have a lot of frustration and anger. So can you go dig a little deeper in why this is so, and can you help the parents to understand where this is being, you know, stemming from, and what can they, maybe how can the parents react? Well, what are some suggestions you have around maybe one or two steps of how we can react to their anger?
1: Um, So the best thing I can always recommend, and this goes regardless of teen, regardless of interaction, regardless of situation. If you want to be able to help them through those reactions, the easiest way is to remember them at their cutest. Um, Maybe it's at their silliest. Maybe it's at their most ridiculous tantrum when they were two years old crying about something that made no sense whatsoever. But realistically, the teenage brain in many ways is still doing that because it is simultaneously telling the body we need to go and explore and be independent and challenge everything and question everything. It also works best when it has guidance and structure and empowerment and support, which they're going to push back against if they don't completely hear it as empowerment and support, which is difficult.
0: Right, and so, and maybe it's a little off from what we were going to discuss, but I'm so intrigued at the moment. Um, So when we talk about empowerment, Mm -hmm. how does a teenager become empowered when they are seeing you as a parent and all they want to do is not to think, because for example, and as being a health coach and life coach, right? Um, and I, all my clients and everyone focuses on their nutrition. It's easy for me to work with them. But when it comes to my own two little gremlins, uh, those, those two have the hardest time. And I per- personally think I'm empowering them, you know, and uh, maybe I'll take it back. They're not that bad, but you know, it's they're not really that bad. They're not really that bad. I mean, I love them, but you get my point. So mm-hmm. they, they will... <laughs> They'll go shopping for themselves and get all the junk food. And, you know, they're like, okay, mom, you're getting a little overboard with this thing. So I personally think I'm empowering them with this knowledge of how to live your healthy best. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about empowerment, Mr. Fox, what I, I don't understand how we can go about with this.
1: The best way to empower your teenager is to redo the golden rule. Most of us know the Golden Rule as treat others the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. However, teenagers don't know, don't don't want that. They don't want to be treated the way you're being treated. They want to be treated by their standards, which sometimes conflict each other. And as best as we can, we kind of need to smile and nod and remember that really cute but angry toddler stomping their toe and going, "Okay, well, we'll, we'll make this work." Um, and so, really, a lot of it comes down to. Remembering them at their cutest, so we can talk to them like adults, regardless of their reaction. Okay. By, by talking with them in ways that helps them feel that they're being heard, by talking with them in ways that in ways that help them feel that they're being validated, we want to treat them as they want to be treated.
0: Which, in other words, modeling our behavior, how mm-hmm. we want to be treated. Yep. And have have so we need to be self reflective. Is what yes.
1: you're saying. And that that goes into that prioritizing and modeling daily mental health realistically. And actually you and I talked about this before the call. A lot of us use the fantastic thing of do as I say, now as I do, because everyone else should take care of themselves, but I'm not going to take care of myself. And teenagers are the private eyes of the hypocritical world. They see it, they will lock onto it and they will never forget it. (laughs) So if you are not prioritizing your sleep, your eating, your daily hydration to make sure that you're just not really hangry or tired and lashing out at people. They're not what you're saying.
0: Yeah. You can't, you, you really have to mirror what you want them to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's true. We, as parents, I've heard it and oh my God, I have caught myself doing this where we say, well, I'm the parent, you know, and that's where you stop yourself and rethink and say these words, It'll have an everlasting impact on the child, mm-hmm. and that's why it comes back to your, your statement of don't let the history repeat itself. Yes. Right. So that was that was a great feedback. Thank you so much. So, um, let's talk about a little bit on, on um, how do we further understand these teens? Uh, do you have different, different ways of communicating to? maybe boys or girls or uh different types of parents or maybe single parents versus you know um couples who are busy so is there any type of communication that's different from day-to-day society or we're all in the same boat here
1: truthfully most parents are in the exact same situation um every teen every child needs, security, safety, reinforcement, and stability from their parent, whether one parent or two, whether multiple parents, whether divorced, regardless of the situation, by having a better understanding of how we as parents communicate, and by having a better understanding of what our teens are going through, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, sure, I can, boys, you need to be more aware that they are more likely socially to either avoid their emotions or explode about their emotions. Right. So encouraging them to be a little more vulnerable with themselves and with others and encouraging them to acknowledge their own emotions and even self-advocate when they need to is a really good thing for most boys because that's something that even most men that I work with have difficulty with. Um, Myself included, I, for a long time I spent too much time either avoiding my emotions or exploding them at everyone because I had to take care of everyone else first and I had no time for myself, which meant everyone was taking care of me. Um, Mm -hmm. For girls, realistically, I'd say that every parent needs to do a few things differently than their parents may have. There is a lot of social construction. There is a lot of media perception that impacts how uh, young girls and teenage girls are developing, seeing themselves, and seeing how they can communicate. A really easy example of this is most parents telling their daughters, you know, don't dress in a provocative way because you need to stay safe. As opposed to telling their daughters, it doesn't matter what you wear. No one should threaten you like that. And that's all that matters.
0: Absolutely.
1: Especially when it comes to girls. And I I will even say trans girls and people who identify as non-binary or gender fluid. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Really, we have a lot of social construction about how we raise our kids. And as adults, we change out of those patterns, but we still reinforce them because it's what we were taught. If you want your team to be the best, you have to be the best parent, and that requires awareness and education because you need to learn more than your parents taught you. We all have that.
0: It's Such a hot topic. I mean, we could go on talking days and days about understanding and communicating. This communication is the biggest, biggest challenge that we're all facing right now, especially what do you have to say during this new norm, you know, how how are we handling our communication with these children, these teenagers that are locked up pretty much, you know, I mean, that's a loose statement, but they're not able to meet, for example, all their friends, or they're not able to go out as freely as they could. So communication becomes a different norm for them, doesn't Mm -hmm.
1: it? Realistically, the entire way that families are interacting right now has to change. Um, it, yes, we all want to keep things somewhat the same based off of what we're comfortable with, based off of what we know. The fact is our daily lives have entirely changed just in the last few months because of COVID, just in the last few months because of increased awareness due to COVID around race revolution and protests and the Black Lives Matter movement and anti-racism. So honestly, just treating your teen as someone who is having some semblance of awareness of what they're going through and talking with them of everything probably feels a little bit different right now. Everything probably feels a little more stressed. Everything probably feels a little more uncomfortable because all the things that we are accustomed to, all the things that we base our daily lives around right now are in various ways being put on hold or being canceled and rescheduled or entirely virtual now. So having conversations about how do we authentically feel? What are our emotions doing these days? How are we treating ourselves? Are we taking care of our mental health? Or are we spending half the day sleeping and then the other half of the day scrolling through media, media that makes us more anxious? We all do it. I do it, too. Just having that awareness that you do it and having that awareness for your team can go a long way.
0: A long way. Absolutely, Mr. Fox. Um, a topic on – let's reverse this a little bit. So we we spoke about the teens, technically, what we should do for the teens, how we need to interact with them and so forth. What about how we can help them to sort of, I don't know how we can put it, but sort of respect us or respect our elders or respect our youngers? Because the, the way I've seen the generational shift is, you Know it's uh, and it's across the board, they have this instant gratification mostly nowadays. Uh, in our when we were growing up, it was more of we respected our parents mm-hmm. and gave them space. So, how can we teach our children to have a better sense of communication to us? Because I think that part is there's a gap,
1: mm-hmm. personally. So, you did a great job bringing up some of that gap, a lot of that gap is do truthfully to the internet. Um, and, and that's something that we've only really started seeing more and more research on because we're only now, what, 25 years plus that the internet is something that has been accessible to more people um, mm-hmm. as a result of increased access to knowledge, increased access to communication and information and all sorts of things that truthfully the, the young child and their brain isn't fully prepared for. Um, what we're seeing in a lot of teens, what we're seeing in a lot of adolescents is a higher amount of individualism. Hmm. They flat out know that this is what's going on in the world. This is what's, what I'm seeing. What's in it for me? And it's not at all meant to be selfish or only focused on themselves. It is an awareness of, I, I will respect the people who give me a reason to, to respect them because I'm being told that I should be respected as well. I'm being told to have boundaries. I'm being told it's okay to have strong emotions. I'm seeing how other people handle things and being an adolescent or a teenager, I'm going to interpret that as best I can, which means adults being very passionate about a debate. To me as a teenager, that may come across as me screaming because that's me doing my best to interpret what I'm seeing.
0: Hmm.
1: Realistically, there's a much higher push for Similarly, with parents, prioritize your own mental health. Model your own me- mental health. Model the adult you want your kids to grow into. And right now, pretty much anyone under the age of twenty-five has been raised with more awareness around what goes on in the rest of the world. And even when they're not actively on the computer, the TV, the phone, just listening to the conversations their parents are having, are reinforcing that we need to do more than just listen to the people who are before us because. Right now, there's more information than ever, there's more access to information than ever showing past generations weren't exactly doing it right. And teenagers, especially angry or motivated teenagers are more than happy to look for proof of that. And more than happy to look for reasons why their parents are bad parents, which means, truthfully, parents right now, especially parents of teens are under more scrutiny from their own kids than any parenting generation in past years, purely because of the fact that the kids have more awareness around Well, this is what my parents told me because they're my parents. This is what the rest of the world is saying. This is what I'm seeing from my friends and their friends and their friends, because my Facebook network goes from my next door neighbor to their friend in another state to someone else across the country. And kids didn't used to have that level of awareness or communication. And that has really impacted their need, their agency, their ability to say, I need this for me
0: you you you're absolutely correct i mean the social media has a huge impact on all of us so obviously a vulnerable mind as our teenagers it's definitely going to play a huge role mm-hmm. uh and you definitely made a good point about uh, this uh, you know they're interacting day and night uh with social media plus you know having global interaction mm-hmm. so how do they filter out what's right and wrong and what to take on and you're absolutely correct and that's be- immersed as a daily life for all of us, even as adults. And that's more than anything, I think it becomes a challenge of how do we protect our teenagers and their vulnerable stage from being hurt per se, you know, being mentally feeling that my life and my situation is okay. mm mm-hmm. If it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're not, I'm at this point, I'm not discussing about those who are going through severe depression or who are going through abuse and trauma. I, I'm talking about just, you know, on a day-to-day basis with children and teenagers that are just having these daily interaction on social media and mm-hmm. perceiving this to be the true norm of what their thoughts are, must be the, mirrored in my own personal life. So how, I mean you you raised a good point. I think we need to explore a little bit further on when how, the stop and go method of saying, you know, the our children need to stop the screen time, the social media time, and start at a certain point. However, because they're teenagers, almost young adults, it's not easy to intervene in these situations. Mm-hmm your thoughts?
1: Take the parent part out of it, which I know sounds backwards. Um, Whether it is a household rules and agreement situation or a conversation where you are discussing with them about their mental health and what they're looking at online, treating them as an adult who is not your child, talking to them as authentically as you can, age appropriately, of course, as authentically as you can about what they're seeing, normalizing those conversations, and encouraging them to have them with you, Doing that helps them consider you in a different aspect. You are not their best friend because no parent should ever be their kid's best friend. You are their parent. Right. But by not focusing on, I am their parent, this is what I have to tell them, instead focusing on, I am a person, this is a conversation we can have together, let's see how this goes, it helps them take away that power dynamic to some degree. It takes the parent out of being the parent role and being into a supportive person role which means that even then, the situations where we are saying, hey, I know you don't want to, you really need to put your phone down, you're just doing scrolling, it's making you anxious, you're in a bad mood, you haven't eaten for four hours so you haven't gotten off the video game. Seriously. They're more likely to hear that if they have had other examples of their parents being a supportive person first and a parent second.
0: Absolutely.
1: Having those conversations as an adult, having those conversations with them just as people will help them feel that you are more on their side and less of the thing that is in their way.
0: Absolutely, Mr. Fox. I think that you've hit the nail when it comes to being a true parent, a resilient parent consistently and continuously making sure that you have a brain check of, yes, this is what I believe in. This is my parenting belief and I need to make sure that I'm always portraying that towards my kids rather than just expecting
1: Mm -hmm. a turnout. Yes.
0: You're right. So I have a question on, I have a lot of questions, but (laughs) I have a lot. uh, So when it comes to, we spoke about genders in terms of teens. What do you have to say for those? Is there a difference in parenting skills or communication skills, a support structure that we need to provide from a fatherly figure versus a motherly figure? Is there a difference? Because I've seen that from time to time be an issue and a concern in a lot of family fronts
1: yes and simultaneously no Uh,
0: (laughs) please love to hear
1: so on the one hand every parent ideally again ideally is able to walk that extremely narrow tightrope between supportive nurture and not necessarily disciplinary, and I hate that term, but someone who enforces natural consequences. Hmm. It's that constant balance of trying to figure out how best to, as much as we can, provide that support that they're open to accepting without completely shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, At the same point, there are certain things that I said earlier about social construction that do have an impact on gender roles and the portrayal of those. Every parent ideally wants to be supportive, kind, caring, nurturing, educating, all of those things. At the same time, if you're a parent of a teenage girl, you're going to need to talk about safety. You're going to need to talk about consent. You're going to do the same if you're the parent of a teenage boy, or regardless of your own gender, you're still going to need to do those in ways that are more relevant to how they've already been socialized. Girls have traditionally a lot more social stigma around everything from appearance to sexuality, to being strong and being confident and advocating for themselves. Whereas for any teenage boy, we need to talk more about toxic masculinity. We need to talk more about them being able to be vulnerable and not feel like that's a bad thing. Right? So there, there is always that gender aspect, but realistically these are concepts that go regardless of gender that go, regardless of how your teen is, identifying or what they're communicating to you that they're currently seeing as their gender in their current process. It's purely more about the context that they're in and how that impacts what we say to them. Realistically, every teenager should be encouraged to speak up for themselves, to be aware of their own mental health, and as much as possible, do their own self-work of learning how their brain works, learning how they like to be treated while also being open to outside input because even adults can only go so far learning about their own mental health on their own. We all plateau at some point. That's true. Um, Trying as much as we can, We, we tell our kids that, you know, we want you to do your best as long as you keep trying your best, then we'll be proud of you. Well, then you really have to own that even when their best may not line up with your definition of what should be their best which is really hard for most parents to do because that requires us to put our own wants, our own expectations aside. And in some ways that can be a grieving process if long-term you see your teenager's definitions of their expectations don't line up with yours. It's not only you have to support them in that, you have to be supportive of your own mental health in grieving that that expectation of your teen's life is going in a completely different direction now. Absolutely. And that can be really hard.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why we have so many conflicts within the family because your, expe- your expectations do not align with your child's expectations. Um, I mean, as you're right about doing your best. So as long as it's more of actually doing your best, you know, and it's not being sort of manipulated because mm-hmm. we have children who are very good at that as well. I'm not trying to put down any children, but... We have those cases as well. So, we are that's why I will keep reminding that we're talking about the general norm of these teenagers and how they behave. So, we've spoken a lot about teenagers and in their normal setting. Now, let's talk a little bit about how we can, we and we've discussed a lot about the uh positivity about the support structure about you know um understanding and communicating however let's just kind of for a few minutes deep dive on children who are not receiving the support who are not receiving the the you know the those Mm open-mindedness of getting giving these children the love and care as you're speaking of and as we're i'm speaking of what about these children who are depressed or lonely or going through some type of tra- tragic or trauma and they don't have someone within their parenting circle to help them what do you how do you suggest whoever's listening the audience to pick up on these signals and give them the help that they need
1: except that as a parent there's a lot you don't know exactly. as, as parents you are the experts of your child you have known them longer than anyone else you have been them around you've been around them more than anyone else you know their processes how they think how they act all of those things what most parents don't know is how that lines up with mental health with right. lifespan development and by being able to say okay my kid is going through this i should go to google i should join a parent support group i should research what that is about a, a lot of that parenting comes down to being able to say what is my was my teen trying to communicate because whatever they're communicating, even if it doesn't make sense, that's their reality. That's their narrative. That's their experience. And the best thing we can do is learn how to work with that and meet them where they are, as opposed to, again, where we want them to be. Mm-hmm. That may mean that if they're stuck in depression, you may have to accept for for a while until they figure out with your support or other support, how to manage that depression. You may have a teen who does a lot of sleeping or can never make a decision or is crying at random points and lashing out for things that don't make sense. There's a million different ways that each team, based off of their diagnosis and based off of their lived experiences, is going to act and going to react. Whether it seems manipulative or aggressive, that is still them doing their best to try and communicate. They may not be doing it well. They may not be. They're definitely not doing it appropriately. But that is still them trying to let you know, however they can, even if it's completely inappropriate, I'm upset, I'm hurt, I'm angry, I'm lonely, I'm confused trying to just meet them where they are can make all the difference in the world mm. and It requires a lot of compassion and to some degree, holding space for them instead of focusing on our own reactions and our own responses to that.
0: Interesting. I think we, and because May, after the this talk, definitely I think the parents should reach out to you or, you know, the resources that you may have
1: mm-hmm.
0: to give them that support because this area is a very sensitive topic. Absolutely. Just, just because they may not know where to turn or they may not have all the ammunitions to support their mm-hmm. teenagers and or themselves, for example. Mm-hmm know which way to turn and so if you don't mind at the end of the talk I'll definitely you know have that from you now let's talk about a little bit on what what happens when we are not in alignment with our teenagers and let's talk about what we can do and can and support our teenagers to go to The next step. So what are, and what are the negative consequences of not being in alignment with our teenagers?
1: So the shorter answer is not being in alignment with your teenagers, which is realistic because they are going through more change than anyone else during everything that's going on currently, which is all change.
0: Right.
1: Um, By being able to find ways to connect with them, by finding ways to, wait, I'm sorry, I completely off topic. Can you it's please okay. ask a question?
0: It's okay. Uh, so I, my main question is that what are the consequences um, of not being in alignment right. with your teenagers and, you know, just letting them go with the flow? You know, having this ho- household environment where you're consistently shouting or screaming or they're waking up, as you said, late with the social media and, you know, you're just not discussing about, what's going to happen or the impact of it or even the social media providing them negative feedback or influencing influences of how to interact with their parents or even just day-to-day when they're meeting their friends. What if there's, you know, their influence with peer pressure with smoking or doing drugs? What What, what do you think or how do we prevent ourselves or watch out to make sure that we don't run or fall into these traps of negative consequences later and that will be extremely impact negative impact towards our life mm-hmm. so what do we do from that angle
1: right um, so kind of like i said before we want to take the parenting out of it which i know again sounds backwards Uh, As you can see on the screen, it says positive reinforcement. I think it says for people watching, positive reinforcement, natural consequences. The reason it doesn't say discipline or the reason it doesn't say punishment is because truthfully all those concepts. And as we're not aligned with our kids, we're not working with them the least at work. Um, Natural consequences is a concept that by working with what is naturally going to happen to them, not because of you as a parent, but because of their actions. Mm it effectively takes you out of the bad guy role of being the parent. You, you are not the disciplinary and you are the one going, hey, I don't think you want this to happen. This is naturally gonna happen if you keep doing this. If you keep sleeping in until noon every day and not eating until the end of the day, by the end of the day, you are going to simultaneously be cranky, but you may not be able to go to sleep because you slept until noon. And then because of those things, you're gonna get into a fight with me. I'm gonna get into a fight with you. It's not going to go well i don't want this to happen you don't want this to happen let's do something different so
0: just talking normal
1: yeah realistically which i know is very hard to do um but it's not just talking normal it is really about trying to guide them right it is hard to guide someone when you are punishing them it is hard to guide someone when you are someone who are shaming them or making them feel like they're a bad person because they accidentally or intentionally did something wrong. Absolutely. By separating the parent from the interaction, by separating the behavior from the child or the teen, it no longer becomes the parent is the bad person and the child is the person getting yelled at, or the teen is the person getting yelled at. It becomes more of a conversation.
0: It becomes more of a a Mm -hmm. um, power-situated conflict.
1: A little more balanced. And it helps them be a little more open.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a key takeaway is we shouldn't look at it as, as we are the the higher authority. We are supposed to be there to just kind of guide them, maybe a mentor, a guidance uh, mm-hmm. to help them and support them. So maybe just a step removed from the label of a, as a parent. Yes. But internalize that you're a parent, but this is the way to support them. Is that yes. Is that okay?
1: That is absolutely okay. As a parent, it is your job to always be there, unconditionally love them, always be compassionate, always do your best. That's really hard to do. At the same point, you are still dealing with a human being who is figuring themselves out, and they're more likely to hear you, and they're more likely to listen to your input if they are not in the middle of a fight with you.
0: That's true. Because um, they've already shut you down. Yeah, exactly. As they've, it's, as they've turned off. They're thinking about something else by then.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's part of why positive reinforcement is so important with us. Um, it not only speaks to them a lot, being able to see you as someone who empowers them and supports them and gives them something good for when they do good, it gives them more reason to do well. Right. Uh, going back to how more teens and more kids currently are more individualistic and more focused on their own needs, we have a ton of data that showing that shows that in past generations, fear, anger, shame, physical consequences all worked because they all reinforced the other that if you don't do well enough, at some point, it's not going to end well for you because we are going to intervene as parents. Absolutely. Right? sometimes look like grounding or spanking or shame or whatever. And, and it's kind of effective. It does work. As many parents will happily say, look how good I turned out but at the same point that positive impact is significantly hindered by all the natural results of feeling shame and disappointment and blame and all those things as a kid. Whereas if we focus more on the natural consequences for when things don't go well, and that includes you weren't responsible with your phone. You showed me I can't trust you with your phone. Yeah. We have a system around your phone. Having that while also having a system that encourages them and empowers them and speaks highly to every time you do something right, I'm going to pay just as much, if not more attention than every time you do something accidentally or intentionally wrong.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about a little bit on, I know we've covered a lot on the mental health with, you know, anger, frustration, a a little on the depression. What about bullying? What are your thoughts on that? Because as teenagers, you know, image is very important, whether you're a girl or a boy mm-hmm. and the hormonal changes and mm-hmm. they, whether they are, whatever, they could be big, fat, skinny, shorty, doesn't matter. But they, in their mind, it does matter mm-hmm. because there's the opposite child will give them that traumatic experience of what image is important and this is something that's pretty common across the board which i'm noticing having two sons i'm seeing that with even boys so i think it's it's uh, something to be looked at and how do you handle and how do you work through the bullying process your thoughts on that maybe
1: Bullying is an ever ongoing process that is something that all parents should be paying attention to on a daily basis. Um, And and I say that not just in reference to bullying that happens on the school grounds. I say that in reference to the fact that the world we live in has a lot of bullying, even as adults.
0: Um,
1: the, the, The time you're out with your friends and someone makes a joke that they think is hilarious and you go, that doesn't, that's kind of offensive. And their response is, it's just a joke. Get over it. That's bullying.
0: It's that label. It's just a joke. It's like an excuse for anything, to bypass any way or anyhow you want. Yep. So how how do you help your child when it comes to these matters? Or you know, better yet, how does a parent even see that there is something going on? Because most teenagers will, will not even com- communicate to their parents that this. I'm one of the maybe lucky few, knock on wood, that you know I have a good relation with my kids and I can communicate with them quite openly but there are many out there mr fox that need that support of understanding the signals
1: so unfortunately there are only so many signals that a parent can see from a teen that is being bullied if the teen doesn't feel comfortable showing those signals truthfully teens both boys girls non-binary regardless of the gender Teens can be like cats. If they don't want us to know that they're sick, they won't, we won't know they're sick until they are on death's door. Um, and, And sadly, the best way to catch that, the best way to be aware of it is to do two things. The first thing is to be aware of how you are a bully yourself. And we all are in various ways in all of our relationships, just a little bit because at some point either we're stressed, we're anxious, we're hungry, we're tired, we're lonely, we're confused. getting something we want and communicating something we want we may come across as a bully
0: Mm.
1: and parents prying for information parents pushing for good grades parents arguing that a kid needs to do a thing a certain way grandparents being upset that they didn't get a hug that's all bullying which means they're never going to let any parent see that because if the parent is being a bully why are they going to talk about bullying
0: right emotional blackmail (laughs) is Exactly. (laughs) Oh my
1: Truthfully, part of it, if you want your team to be able to communicate with you about bullying or any other situations that are really negative, your job as much as possible is to reinforce however they need to see it, that you are someone who can have those gentle conversations. You are someone who can hold space for them and hear what they're saying and validate them without necessarily making about your reactions or your emotions or your feelings because that's still in some ways, bullying. Mm, So by focusing purely on how am I coming across with my teen, that can make a very big difference because it helps them feel a little more comfortable. The second part really is educating yourself on what is age-appropriate behavior and educating yourself on what might be some signs of red flags or might be some signs of either a mental health issue or a bullying issue. But honestly, truthfully, the best way to start with that is just Use Maslow's hierarchy, look it up, I can post it for people online somewhere. Um, it, it basically shows us the different levels of personal needs from food, water, shelter, to personal safety and job employment, to creative outlets, to self-expression, to all those things. Study what is age appropriate and figure out what your team may be doing that you're concerned about. If you can talk with them, that's great. If you're not sure why they're acting a certain way, make sure they've gotten all their base needs met. Mm-hmm. Make sure they feel safe and then try and have those conversations with them. Because sometimes as a teenager, they may be in a horrible mood for weeks at a time because they may only be eating one meal for weeks at a time every day, or they may only be sleeping three hours every night for three weeks at a time. So if we think that, the, that something may be going on, we first have to rule out all the easy stuff, we'll rule out how much they're hydrating, if they need medication, if they don't need medication, if they're in therapy. Figuring out what to look for can go a long way. Oh my
0: goodness, absolutely, just because even, you know, I think the mind-body connection, which I stress so much, Mm -hmm. is absolutely important because when you are mentally healthy or your mind is mentally healthy, it's all due to how you're saying, how you're keeping yourself nutritionally Healthy and what whatever you are taking inside your body, whether you are hydrating yourself, whether which is why mm-hmm. we have to always be feeding our body, you know, instead of starving ourselves. If we don't model that behavior, how do yeah. our kids model that behavior? Exactly. And you're right. If, if we say, "Oh my gosh," and if the ki- if the uh, if we are eating one meal and we expect to notice that our children are not eating at a regular basis, you know, it's going to go on notice. You're going to have the consequences, such as stress and anxiety, depression, yep. and not have the confidence
1: mm-hmm. of
0: dealing with these bullying or the energy or the energy. Mm-hmm. And that's where these triggers become more cemented. Yes, and it becomes a long-term trauma where it could have just been unraveled had we worked on keeping them healthy mm-hmm. from feeding them and from uh, and feeding them the right food. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh gosh, I could talk about food all day, all night, but
1: <laughs> and that of course depends on their body and their own health situation.
0: Oh right? yes. So I mean the thing is that is one of the biggest component mm-hmm. of making sure that your child is being fed. Yes. Of course, there are many parents who can argue and will say, you know, this is all I have the means for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and
1: that's the best we work with. And that's, a- and that's
0: the best we can work with. Then that's we have to look for other avenues. And I get it. I understand where you're coming mm-hmm. from. However, if you have that means just because you have a busy lifestyle does not mean that you're going to overlook mm-hmm and allowing them to be neglected. For me, I personally think it's being negligent. I don't know, maybe I'm speaking too harshly, but.
1: Uh, It's one of those things where, at the very least, it is not intentionally negligent because, again, it's usually one of those things that, especially with a lot of parents I've spoken to who are talking about eating habits with their kids, more often than not, they didn't notice it. It's not that they weren't looking, it's not that they were intentionally neglectful, it's that everything was going on and unfortunately their teen didn't feel comfortable bringing it up, their teen didn't feel comfortable perhaps, uh sharing that. Realistically, realistically, if they had felt that comfort, they may not be in that situation in the first place.
0: Or maybe the parents are not even aware that that's an, uh, a topic or an issue to be addressed.
1: Yep. And so it really does come down to having, having that trust and having that relationship with your teen where they're able to see you as someone that, yes, you are their parent. You are also someone that they can come to and talk to and get support and get seen and heard and validated with what they're going through.
0: That validation is a key. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, we have to every day have set this intention of saying we will work on communicating. We will work on our parenting we will work on making sure that today we check our mind and check our thought before you know blurting out or having the anger outburst and so forth so i think if we set that intention for the day it's really hard to be on autopilot yes i i agree uh so i mean this this is what else can we um we, we haven't addressed or thought about that you can help us what and let us know what what are the next steps that we can take. So one, anything you'd like to address that maybe I've missed and uh, you haven't had an opportunity to discuss. And what are the next steps from here on that uh, us parents can do or take that will help us to be more aware?
1: Um, so truthfully, being more aware, thankfully, that's the best place to start because How you are interacting with your teen is going to impact how they interact with you. So the more aware you are, the less on autopilot you are, the more you are able to be age-appropriately authentic with them, Mm. the better that we are going to be able to get those interactions and processes that we want them to go through positively. Mm. Um, And really trying to, as much as we can, be authentic and be curious. Being curious goes so far because it's hard to be judgmental and also be actually curious at the same time. It, being curious is a great way to diffuse a situation. It's a great way to encourage them to say the things that you probably already know that they're thinking or want them to say, but you telling them to say it isn't gonna work. Absolutely. Being curious is a great way to interact with your kids regardless of age, especially for teens, because it shows them that you are not going to be judging. You are not going to be shaming. You're trying to have a discussion. And even I love if the that. answer isn't something you like, it's still a discussion because you're being curious.
0: I love it. I never uh, all these years i I think I would have never thought of it as that way to be curious and I, I, that's a that's a great aha moment for me actually uh, to be curious in terms of and which indirectly is allowing you to think in their shoes, reflect mm-hmm. in their shoes,
1: exactly.
0: understand what their thoughts and emotions are. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Oh my goodness. That's, that's great. So what, what do you, what, what, what are our next steps from here? What do you, how can we reach out to you?
1: So next steps, regardless of me, going <laughs> what you just said, are keep being curious. That means start asking these questions of yourself. Start asking these questions of any partner or any co-parent you're working with. And if you can start asking these questions of your teens, be curious about these things, be curious about learning more about parenting. That's based on encouragement and support instead of shame and anger, because that's what a lot of us grew up with. Um, Spending more time learning about yourself, being curious about how you parent, being curious about why you respond certain ways is gonna improve your relationship with your kids, regardless of talking to me or not. Um, From there, find what feels right for you. Uh, Find what services, find what supports feel good for you based off of your family's needs, based off of your personal needs. Um, If I happen to fall into that, uh, I, I can be found at comfoxcoaching.com, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram, comfoxcoaching, uh, and I offer 45-minute free consults to literally everyone just one consult per person um, within reason. And I work on a sliding piece scale because it's important that this is not a stressful thing for people. It needs to meet you where you're at. But regardless of reaching out to me or someone else, being curious about who you are, being curious about how you react, being curious of how to be the best parent you can be is going to help your team be the best team they can be.
0: Absolutely. Well, Thank you so much, Mr. Fox. You've been an amazing person for all of us and enlightening us with or your thought process around teams and what we need to do. I think most of us have a lot. We've had a lot of aha moments here. And we are. they're going to be able to reach out to you because mm-hmm. at the bottom, they will have your links and so forth. So no worries. And... I think everyone should reach out just to get a perspective, whether they're on the right thought process with their kids. I think it's not bad because in any situation, it's better to get some kind of confidence that you are at the right path. Yep. Uh, I should believe it. I, as a coach, I still have coaches and mentors. So
1: <laughs> it's a constant practice. We are always learning,
0: always learning. It's the best way to be resilient. And I th- I appreciate you for being here on my platform and thank you so much and looking forward to hopefully doing another talk with you.
1: I would love to. Thank you so much for having me and I'm sorry my cat is interrupting because he wants my attention.
0: <laughs> it's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So there you have it. You had Mr. Fox here on our show and he has been a great delight and I encourage all of you to reach out with the link below and talk to him. He's a wonderful person and easy to talk to. And I think we all go through a lot of struggles. Um, all jokes aside, I think we. this is the moment we should reflect on how our teenagers are feeling, how their emotions are. Just be a little curious on what we can do. Considering the new situation, the new norm that we're going through, It's more important than ever to help our teenagers out because they are our new generation. Thank you for being here. This is Karmic Healthline. Take care, see you next time. Bye-bye.